in one minute or less. Let's go. Guys, thank you so much for all the support so far. I really appreciate it. This has been an interesting experience for me. So far, we've spoken to people from Perth, Sydney, and Melbourne. Plan to continue making our way around Australia and overseas. It'll all happen slowly. I'm going to keep it to be hobbyist as much as possible. And along the way, a few of the 1% type people in the jiu-jitsu community or, and martial arts, I should say, mostly jiu-jitsu, let's be honest. Um, the point of this quick one-minute chat right now, 30 seconds left, is that today's guest, Aaron Koo, has a company called The Hydra Brand, or Hydra. They are a, started out as a water bottle company, and now they've just launched an, uh, an apparel range, which includes women's activewear and apparel and men's apparel. Guys, listen to the podcast. The brand is really fucking sick. The new products look great. Jump on and have a look. And if you like it and you want to make a purchase and support someone from within our community, you can use the discount code AOS to get 10% off anything on the website. Quick disclaimer, there's uh, nothing in it for me. This is not an affiliate link. This is just me showing you guys how we can support the community and support one another. So AOS at the checkout for 10% off. That's a minute and a half. Not going to edit it again. Cheers, guys. Enjoy the episode. Thanks again for, for everyone for listening in. Peace. And I'm back again. Uh, just real, real quickly. You can find the Hydra brand on Instagram at the Hydra brand or their website at www.thehydrabrand.com. All right. Cheers. That's it. Bye. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Art of Surrender podcast. Today, I am chatting with one of my friends and training partners from Kaizen Lab Jiu-Jitsu, Aaron Koo. Aaron is a coach, a student, and a blue belt at Kaizen. And other than that, Aaron, welcome. <laughs> um, do you want to just start yeah. off? Give us, give us a little bit of an um, introduction to who you are. Sure. Um, so... My name's Aaron. <laughs> um, I've been doing JITS for shit, how long has it been? About five years-ish now. And um, yeah, I'm a blue belt. I'm currently also a fundamentals coach at Kaizen, um, Kaizen Lab Jiu-Jitsu, which is where Brad trains. Um, for my day job, I just work as an IT support guy for a software company. And I've also got a side business online uh, called Hydra. Uh, we sell mainly water bottles and duffel bags at the moment, but we're sort of introducing a new line of apparel, activewear, that sort of stuff um, coming soon. So yeah, that's going to be exciting. That's good. Yeah, we'll t obviously we'll talk on all the business stuff as well. Um, obviously, yep, I want to know sure. about it. What's so? If we can yeah. backtrack, you have um, you've been doing jujitsu for five years. I remember reading yeah. um, the team Kaizen sort of introduction things that. Um, I mentioned yep. this. What do they call it? They call it meet, meet the team Kaizen, meet the Kaizen team. Sorry, yeah, that we've been putting out, and yes. it says here that you started MMA before jujitsu. Um, that's like kind of true, but not really. Um, not, not fully accurate. Um, so just to give you background, uh, for high school, I mainly just played basketball most of my high school, and then um because my mom wouldn't let me do martial arts <laughs> when I was a kid. And um, I think 2007 or 8, I, a good friend of mine um, 
Hayden, who used to be a pretty good fighter from Castle Muay Thai. Um, his little brother, Daniel Williams, who's actually one of the like state champion or oceanic champion or something now. Um, he's, um, yeah, so we used to, so I started training um, Muay Thai with those guys. And I started watching Muay Thai videos, K1 videos. And then next thing you know, that led me to UFC videos back in the day. I think it was like the um, BJ Penn, Chuck Liddell sort of era back then. Yeah. And um, I started taking an interest in obviously MMA because I was watching UFC, but I also found the grappling aspect very interesting. Like I, like I was like, oh, cool. Like, you know, like triangle chokes and stuff like that. That sort of stuff like really took, piqued my interest. So that was maybe my second, third year into Muay Thai. Um, and then I started Googling MMA gyms because like, I just wanted to try MMA. Sure. So I stopped doing Muay Thai. Um, and I, I think um, at the time I went to, it was called Gracie Baja back then, but it's now Legion 13. Right. Um, when they train, they used to do, they just have like a MMA slash kickboxing class. Um, on Mondays and Wednesdays. So I went down there, trained jits, trained some MMA and kickboxing, so on and so forth. Um, but I never really stuck with it. Like I'd always train for like two months, three months, and I'll stop for like a year and then I'll come back for a month and then I'll stop for a year or five years, whatever <laughs> it is, right? Because um, I don't know, like I guess... It was part laziness, part me not having money, and then partly like didn't really have like good friends that I was training with, and partly because I was really shit at jujitsu, um, <laughs> so kind of like lost motivation pretty quickly. Whenever like I had a little bit of an excuse, like I got like a small injury, like I would just use that as an excuse to sort of quit and I'll just not come back. Then eventually I'll find the motivation to come back and then I'll quit again. <laughs> um, so I that sort of went on and off and it's kind of sad because a lot of the guys I trained with back then, they were like maybe white or blue belts and a lot of them are black belts now at Legion 13. So, you know, if I stuck with it for that long, I'll be maybe a brown belt or some shit by now. But, you know, um, hindsight's twenty twenty or whatever, whatever you say. <laughs> um Anyway, uh, fast forward to 20, I think it's 2015 or 2016. Um, I quit my job at the bank and I moved to Taiwan for, I lived there for about a year and a half. And that was where I spent a lot of time just sort of planning what I was going to do next. And I had a lot of free time because I was teaching English maybe about 23 hours a week. So lots of time to read, train, go to gym, jits, what whatever so started off again by trying to do MMA so when there did some boxing and kickboxing classes and MMA and jits classes and over time I I kept I think like I I felt like my jiu-jitsu was really really bad I was like man I really suck at jiu-jitsu and you know like me training once or twice a week jiu-jitsu isn't going to get me any better um so I think I did get injured at some point and then when I wasn't injured anymore, I came back and I think it was also kind of like destiny, I guess you could say, because when I came back, there was a different coach, um, Sam Chan, shout out to him. He's, um, he's a brown belt. He lives in Anaheim, California. He was 
teaching at the gym in Taiwan that I was training at at the time. He started being the JITS coach down there and like it was amazing. Like he, his approach to teaching was really, really cool. Like I, he, I felt like he actually cared about my prog- progress. Mm. It was really encouraging and like it just made me want to keep going to class. So I just started going to JITS like three, four times a week. Um, and I was maybe sparring still once a week just to keep doing some stand-up. But then eventually I just lost interest in striking altogether because um, I was sick of, getting, sick of getting punched in the face. So <laughs> just didn't want to do that anymore and then just kept doing jiu-jitsu. And um, yeah, and then that sort of like fueled my motivation. And then I think after I first got my first couple stripes, like, you know, even when I got injured, even when I lost motivation, I'd always come back. Like, you know, if I was injured, I'd take a week off, I'd take two weeks off, one month off, have, depending on how serious the injury is, I always came back. So that sort of like fueled my passion in the sport. And yeah, just been training ever since, um, since then. That's, that's awesome. Um, so I, I actually like found it funny how you said... Um, that you would be a brown belt if you kept going, but like hindsight. And it's funny how in your little yeah. meet, meet the Kaizen team spiel, the first thing is that you wrote down was stop chasing belts, like the advice you would give, stop chasing belts and like yeah. let, let your journey unfold. And obviously that might be where you've kind of picked that up from now that you're passing on. Perhaps I'm not sure, but yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. A bit of that. And a bit of like, I think when I first started JITS, I, I took it really seriously. Like I, so like chasing the next stripe or like I was literally watching YouTube videos. Like let's say like I had a hard time in side control. I'd watch a YouTube video on like how to get out of side control and I was just getting too obsessed with it. Mm. Um, eventually, I just kind of let go. Main, not, not, not because it was affecting me badly or anything, but I think I just came to terms with I'm not going to be a Gary Tonin or Gordon Ryan. Like um, I think there's a certain amount of talent you need to get to that level and I definitely didn't have that talent like I'm I'm still blue belt after five years so I'm definitely not that talented in jiu-jitsu however like I that just helped me enjoy jiu-jitsu a lot more like you know I come to train I want to get better but um, because I'm not so I don't I'm not taking it that seriously that I put so much pressure on myself to get the next stripe the next belt so that actually helps me just continue training and not lose motivation. Like when I come in, yeah, I want to get better. Yeah, I'm trying to get fitter, stronger, so on and so forth. However, like, you know, I, but my number one priority is to enjoy myself and, you know, have a good workout and have a good time with the guys I train with. Mm. So that just helped make training a lot more enjoyable and makes it a lot easier to come back when, you know, you've had like a, maybe a day when you're getting crushed or, you're super sore and or you've been injured for a while, right? It just makes it easier for you to come back when you're not putting so much pressure on people. That's for me anyway. Some people like that pressure and some people thrive in that pressure. For me, like, I just, for me, like, in, enjoying jiu-jitsu was more important to me um, and the longevity in me doing jiu-jitsu. Mm. Now, that's really nice. I'm on a similar sort of mindset and I've, been, I've rolled with you plenty of times, so just for anyone out there listening he's not shit <laughs> like he's he's, he's good <laughs> but we are all i guess we are um more critical of ourselves than anyone else that's just how people are you know 
Um, so what? Yeah, I mean, you see some guys who are get their purple belts in like three, four years, and they're like monsters. Um, like I know a couple guys that I train with, and they, but these guys are like you know th- these guys compete at worlds, so mm. that's a different level towards like talent, and obviously they work hard as well. Don't get me wrong, but like there's also a level of talent. Like you're not subbing black belts as a blue belt with just by training hard. Like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're fucking talented if you're like subbing black belts when you're a blue belt. So mm. like, I, I know some guys who are doing that. So yeah. There's a, mix, <laughs> there's a mixture of everything. Like time, you know, the amount of time that's committed, yeah. um, you know, working out, keeping fit, having strength, all that sort of, those yeah. sort of aspects of things. Then there's, you know, intelligence to like re- retention of information, having good, um, uh, like, athleticism all that stuff kind of like makes it easier for some people to naturally progress quicker but you've also trained at yeah by the sounds of it three different gyms legion um obviously and in taiwan so that kind of stifles progress as well switching gyms there's always time input to get (laughs) yeah see like that's part of it you know you have to factor that in too so, so what, yeah, what, yeah, definitely. So, what, what I wanted to ask you was about um, Taiwan. What what took you there, and um, how? What was the experience like in Taiwan? Um, not really related to jits, but um, I basically like I was I was working for a bank for about three years um, before I moved there, and then I kind of I was at a point where like I wanted to move to Asia, sort of straight after uni. Um, Few few reasons, uh, personal reasons, made me decide not to, um, and basically like ended up working for the bank for about three years, and I was getting sick of my job, um, and I kind of just thought like, all right, why don't I try move to Asia now since my circumstances change again? Um, I'm single, I've got the money, you know, like I've got a decent resume where I can come back and find a job pretty easily so you know why not let's just do this right now and then um i was deciding between um thailand taiwan and china um because i've been to those countries i really enjoyed it there um the main reason i decided to go to taiwan is um i had a good friend that moved there about a year before i did and he was you know like he sort of i visited him um on a on a holiday before i moved decided to move there and you know, like seemed like he had a good thing going down there. I thought, thought you know what, might as well just go and join him um, rather than sort of creating a, a brand new network and making completely new friends, not knowing anyone, not knowing anything about the country. Um, like, you know, at least I got someone there that I could crash with, crash with my first week when I moved there. Um, he sort of like told me what sort of websites to go to to look for a, a rental property, um, how to get my bank account and all these little things that you don't really think about. Um, Day-to-day like things, to yeah. Place. So he sort of like helped me out with it. Yeah, all the all this basic stuff that you really like, you, you probably take a little while to get used to. Mm. So sort of had all that leveraged and kind of, yeah, moved to Taiwan and really glad I did it though. Like I really enjoyed the experience I had down there. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like, and you were there for, did you say a year and a half, just over a year? Yeah, a year and a half. I uh, moved there for a year and a half. Um, I think the reason I decided to come back was um, I think it was more like a somewhat of a business decision, although I didn't have a business at the time. Um, the opportunity career-wise um, 
was much better for me to come back because mm. I didn't really want to teach English anymore. Um, I enjoy my experience teaching kids and stuff, but I, I sort of like, that's not what drives me. Like um, business is what really drives me. So that's why, that's why I decided to move back to Perth um, because I had a few opportunities here that I couldn't have had if I stayed down there. Mm. So I decided my time was up and I came, came back. That's good. Is this was part of that opportunity when you came back to get into Hydra? Or was that something that was done at a later date? Oh, no, no. That's before, that's before that. No, um, it was really random. Like initially when I came back, um, I was going to help manage a f- my friend's dad's restaurant. Um, he was opening up um, a new restaurant down in the city. Um, he was looking for someone to manage it. And we came, I came back and... Um, that opportunity was presented to me and yeah, it was, we shook hands. He said, all right, cool. We'll give you this opportunity. We'll see how you go. Um, unfortunately, the, the, um, the opening of the restaurant kept getting delayed. So I was probably like without a job for about a month mm. and I ended up uh, working for my dad. So my dad had a business um, selling four-wheel drive accessories. Um, he needed some help with the digital marketing stuff and that's the sort of stuff I was really interested in getting into because um, I didn't have experience in it, but I wanted to gain that experience. And I kind of just took over all of that for my dad's business. So although like that opportunity, the first opportunity didn't really pan out, like a completely new opportunity came up and it was probably better suited for me as well. Um, because right now what I do for my current business Hydra is um, all the digital marketing website stuff, which is what I've, all of what I've learned when I was doing it for my dad. Uh, and that's such a good skill set to have as well, like digital marketing to be able to, like you could work overseas with that now, like Hydra aside, you could work pretty much anywhere and do that. Yeah, definitely. So if I, let's say I want to become like a full on freelance guy, I can take on a few clients and I can, yeah, live anywhere and do it anyway. Although to be honest, man, like um, the whole like, um, Instagram thing of people working with a laptop next to a beach. Um, I feel that shit's all very overrated. <laughs> um, like when you work, you want to like work somewhere good. Like, so that's, that's how I feel anyway. Um, yeah. I think it would be a good lifestyle to have even for like a year or so, just to be able to like do it and to have a flexible sort of yeah. life like that. But the, it's funny how I, cause I used to look into um, doing things like that. And a lot of the stuff that you get at when you get start getting ads on Instagram, oh, sorry, YouTube, or if you're watching videos yeah. about it, they all seem to be people who've, you know, they're running six or seven figure businesses. Um, but all of them are basically selling how to do digital marketing. None of them seem to actually yeah. doing it. So they're selling the idea. Yeah, I know. No, you- <laughs> yeah. And that's, um, that's the era we live in now. There's so much bullshit um, that's out there and people pay for it. Like I didn't take any courses on digital marketing. I literally learned everything on YouTube and blogs and trial and error. That's, mm. that's, that's it. Like, yeah, a course could help you with the basics, but you don't really need like a, like things change so frequently in this um, landscape that it's kind of like, like whatever you learn in a course might not be fully relevant to what you want to do anyway. And um, you're probably overpaying for that service too. 
So, mm. but there's a lot of cool like um, like if you go on Udemy, you can probably find like courses for like twenty bucks that teach you how to run Google Ads, Facebook Ads, and stuff. And those are probably handy if you wanted just some basic knowledge. Yeah. Just yeah, fundamental stuff to get started, or just to get yeah. some direction on how to do something, and then you can from there as you as you work and learn and come up with problems, you got to solve them. So you research it, find the solution, and then that's little another little bit of knowledge in your pocket, and you just build like that which is like jujitsu yeah. too. You jump on Google, got stuck under side control. How do I get out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what, if I go back to martial arts, um, how did you get into, yep. so you've been, well, let me know how long you've been at Kaizen for. And I want to know also how you got into coaching and, and what sort of, um, what you get out of that aspect of it as well. Mm-hmm. I forgot exactly when I joined Kaizen. I think it's probably been about two years plus I've been at Kaizen. Um, I think it was really random. Like um, it started, I think when I was training there for a few months and then um, I was having a chat with Luke one day. Um, Luke, who's also Um, another coach at Kaizen, which mm. you also had on your podcast. Luke Daker, if Um, I'm not mistaken, Sorry, Luke was yeah. episode number two on the podcast event, if anyone's interested. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, Sorry. I was just having a chat with him at the pub. Um, we were watching UFC fight and yeah. after open mat. And um, yeah, so we were just having a chat at the, at the fight. And I was like asking him about his experience coaching fundamentals. And I just sort of expressed interest. That's something I'm interested in doing and like helping with kids classes and stuff like that. And I think he probably mentioned it to Brandon and then Brandon like texted me a week or two after asking, Hey, I heard you interested. Uh, why don't you come and shadow the kids class and see how you go? And that's basically how it started. <laughs> well, it starts out that simple. Hey, uh, so yeah. did you, what do you, what do you uh, get more fulfillment out of teaching the adults fundamentals or the kids? Right now I don't really teach the kids class. I'm sort of just helping out. Um, so just kind of, watching them, making sure they don't bump into each other and um, sort of <laughs> making sure they're doing the right technique because the, um, especially the Monday class can be quite big. So having a few coaches going around, making sure the kids are doing the right technique just helps things flow a lot better. I do enjoy teaching, the, um, helping out with the kids. Uh, you know, the kids, it's really cool watching them grow and everything. Um, but I definitely um, have a lot more ownership with the fundamentals class and I feel definitely feel a lot more attached to that one because I am actually teaching them mm. and I am like, you know, seeing students grow based on the te- techniques that I've showed them. So it's definitely a lot more rewarding um, to see that. Um, yeah, and it's really been fun. It's really awesome as well because over time you get like a lot of familiar faces coming through. So it's really cool to see people enjoy your class and come back and, you know, like ask you questions and seeing them progress, seeing them get their stripes. And it's really cool seeing that. Have you, have you been um, fortunate enough to be coaching, I guess, for long enough to see someone that arrives at the gym brand new actually make it all the way to blue belt yet? No, nah, not blue belt. Um, I don't think I've been coaching for that long. I don't think anyone, yeah. All the rec- even the recent blue belts, they've been training for a while. Um, no, but I've seen like um, a few of them get two, three stripes and some of them are like pretty good now. Yeah, they're, giving the, the, they're giving the guys that have been there longer a run for their money. So it's pretty cool seeing that. Chasing after our necks all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like constantly trying to survive. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what is it that um, for you personally, though, outside of coaching in your own game, what is it that you um, enjoy the most about jiu-jitsu or like what sort of, I guess, aspect of jiu-jitsu do you enjoy? I think definitely seeing your own growth is pretty awesome. Um, you know, like um, from where I started, even at just Kaizen, from where I started at Kaizen till now, my progress has sort of gone up quite a lot. You know, Brandon's you know, Brand like telling me how shit I am when I first started and now I'm a lot better. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but you know, he sort of implied it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool just seeing like um, the development of not only like my skill set, but also my understanding of jujitsu, right? Like as a white belt, you're just thinking like, okay, side control to mount mount to armbar or whatever like whereas now like there's so much like i'm starting to set stuff up i bait them so let's say if i'm getting crushed by someone how i can bait them so that i can get an escape and um tying the moves together a lot better instead of like learn this technique learn this technique learn this technique is right okay from half guard to sweep if i don't get this sweep how can i transition from that how can i find another opportunity to sweep? How can I find an opportunity to sub or get out of that position? And then now as well, I'm getting a lot better at leg locks as well. Um, mm. Not that good, but you know, much better from when I first started, like having zero clue. Um, even that part as well, that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, just seeing my own growth and my approach to the game change over time. That's probably what I find the most attractive about the sport. Um, it's like an ongoing video game where you're leveling up all the time mm. and it never ends as well that's the thing right you're always, yeah, exactly. always never ends. Um, yeah. learning new things and if you're not learning new things you're refining things that you already know or somewhat know kind of thing yeah but that's that's beautiful man so people people um like you sort of stressed a little bit of your frustration about like your development but we never really see like i remember when i first started <clears throat> first three months was I had no idea what was going on. Like I kind of, after a few months, it's like, you know what close guard is half guard, your mount, you know, you understand the positions and you might be able to do something from in one position itself, but there's no link between any of them. If that makes sense, you're not, you're not linking anything together. Yeah. First three months, basically yeah, clueless. after six months, I started to find, um, like the dots start to connect a little bit, but obviously you're really scrappy and it's not really fluid or anything like that. And then after the six month mark, I, my, my improvement was noticeable for the following like year or so. Like I, I improved a lot yeah. over that period because things start to sort of click and it's not, it's not a, um, you know, you have a lot of light bulb moments where you're like, Oh, that's why. Like I remember, um, yeah one of the biggest things for me was like when I was trying to, one of my big light bulb moments was trying to take people's backs and they would always escape. And then when I had an understanding of the, how important finding the bottom hook was like, I'd just throw a hook in. And if I'd had the top hook thrown over, they'd always just hip out the bottom every time. And you'd be chasing them trying yeah. to get to mount because they're like, they're moving away from you. So you're trying to follow them over to get to mount. But then as soon as I understood the importance yeah. of the bottom hook, then it gives you more time to find yeah. the app, consolidate the position. And it's like, Oh, okay. Now just find the bottom hook. 
start like getting concepts yeah. like that and then you just build on them and that's something that's slow and it comes together slow. yeah but and then you don't notice it you don't notice your improvement yeah i know what you mean man muscle memory kicks in and things start to just i don't know click yeah like i i'm just even thinking back like when i was a white belt my bottom game was complete garbage like i was so shit on the bottom, it was, I don't even know how I got my blue belt. To be honest. Like, um, like I was like, even at, like, I remember like my, the first comp I did at like state, um, I was just so freaked out about getting to the bottom that I just gassed myself and then got into psych, like the guy got me in side control. I just completely gassed myself in like my, the first minute or two and just got destroyed. Um, yeah, and then now like having like somewhat of a decent bottom game is yeah pretty pretty cool just to like look back at that and see the the changes over time. Mm. Do you have any um, students that you're teaching sort of uh, seek out your advice or come to you with questions and like what sort of problems have you had to help people with, or even just um, guidance in general? I think a lot of the students that come ask me questions they're generally like more technique related um specific so they'll be like oh how do i get out of side control you know like stuff like that and i'll just show them um a couple of ways to do it so i don't like, overload their brain but so it's mm. like all right this is one basic way you can get out of side control and then this is another way if that way doesn't work um and i guess like you know some, sometimes people might have um certain troubles at some places that um yeah, I just sort of point them in the right direction, I guess, going like, you know, there's um, a lot of intricacies to every single technique. So there's no like one way to get out of it. And some, mm. and a lot of the time as well is timing, right? Like trying to explain timing is such, is such a hard thing. It's like, okay, how do you, like, you know, like um, so many sweeps I do are so reliant on timing that you could do the the, the, the technique completely right but if you don't time it correctly it's still not going to happen mm. um, but I think another thing is with our gym um, Brandon's pretty accessible um, you know so I think a lot of people tend to probably go to him more <laughs> with like more like um, overall concept development that kind of stuff so yeah it's pretty, which is pretty cool you know you've got like a black belt with a lot more experience basically happy to have a chat with you and help you improve at any time really so yeah or even after class if i have a question he will always just be like yeah, yeah. yeah sit down for a minute and then just show me pretty much give you the he'll always give you the time yeah. but we get i guess we get the same yeah. thing amongst like um you know the blues purples browns you can always ask people question or even when we're just talking after class you know, sometimes yeah. you may not make a comment but we'll be having a conversation you'll be picking bits and pieces of it and thinking about it at least that's just me anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, like um, everyone in our gym is pretty cool in that sense. Like, um, you know, whenever I've had like questions for the brown belts or purple belts, whatever, like they're always happy to answer and same with Brandon. Um, I do a lot of my own research as well. Like I just jump on YouTube and see how certain people do certain things and kind of work from there as well. Yeah. Is because any- um, like for, yeah. Sorry, keep going, mate. Sorry, go ahead. I was, we just mentioned YouTube. No, I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> we have a slight delay between us. So like our timing's a little bit off. My yeah, apologies. Yeah. You go ahead. Okay. Oh, okay. I think you're going to ask me uh, what YouTube channels I look at. Is that right? 
Yeah, just if there's any channels or uh, instructors that you like to follow. Um, to be honest, not really. Like, I'm I'm not very picky in that sense. Like, most instructors on YouTube probably are better than me, so <laughs> I'll <laughs> I'll just take their word for it and try it out and make adjustments if need be. Um, but I definitely like um, Lachlan Giles is amazing. Um, he his stuff he explains a lot of very little nitty-gritty details in his stuff um also who else is if i watch like um i think there's steven casting guy he, he's pretty good too um yeah. with his explanations but yeah i'll just i'll just watch whatever like it comes up like for example if like you go oh what's the best way to like um armbar from mount or whatever I'll just type that into YouTube and whatever that's the most relevant, I'll just click on it. Um, I don't, I'm not really picky in which instructor I look at. Hmm. Um, yeah. I guess you can always watch a video and if you don't get what you want from it, you just find another one kind of thing. Yeah. And like techniques only like half the battle, right? Like timing is so important. Like when you roll a guy like um, Christian, uh, for those who don't know, Christian is a fucking strong dude at our gym <laughs> that's probably like the best way to put it yeah he's a monster um guys like him you know like you got to get a timing so precise even though you're doing the technique right he's so strong he'll just hold you there mm. um even if you're doing the right technique but you're not timing it correctly so it's um yeah timing and you know like setting up correctly and all that kind of thing there's so many things apart from just technique that you got to think about um, when you go into a higher level anyway. Mm. Something that I got told, I think it was um, by, I think it might've been by my coach in Sydney when I was like early on when I was starting out yeah. or maybe in a seminar, someone might've said something. It was along the lines of the, um, the wrong technique at the right time should work, but, yeah. the right, but the right technique at the wrong time won't work. So if you know, if you know, yeah, what, if correct. you're, if you're yeah. looking for like a specific sweep and you know, that's the sweep you want and it's the right one to use based on the position you're in. But if your timing is off, like they're going to base the other way and it's not going to be effective. Yeah, correct. Like uh, that's what I tell the white belts every single time I do sweeps. <laughs> um, good timing beats good technique any day, anytime. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, interesting with the YouTube. Like, I'm very more, I'm more, a lot more specific um, on what I follow because I like to have systems yeah. in things. So it kind of yep. makes sense. Something I, um, I've been looking at. Uh, I mentioned to you that I was doing the mount program. So that's something. Like mount is just a position I'm focused on. Like uh, I've been doing that a lot lately, yep. and I'm noticing heaps of improvements in my mount game but then i rolled um the other day for the first time in months and my bottom and i my bottom slide control was like crumbled to dust man there was just nothing there anymore <laughs> just yeah basically melted into the mat and squashed <laughs> <laughs> and just had no frames no nothing yeah, yeah just it wasn't fun so i might need to google how to escape side control soon <laughs> <laughs> So what? So what's just turtle the, man? Just turtle. Yeah, true. Well, yeah, just spin over in turtle, and then and then what? What do they call? What's that um, position called? Uh, something dog. What's it called? What downward dog? No, 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 no. From side control, um, like the 
uh, dogfight position. Oh, dogfight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I, get, you, I can um, turtle up and go to that position, but I just feel like you end up just fighting someone like, and it's just a strength battle a lot. Maybe my understanding of the dogfight position isn't great, Yeah, but I end up just kind of wrestling from there and I try to avoid doing that. Like forcing things, I try to avoid yeah. doing that. But I, you know, if I you're comfortable there, though, it's actually pretty effective. Um, something I've got a little bit better since I joined Kaizen. Um, the whole like ground wrestling stuff mm. on your knees. Um, yeah, like if you start like getting comfortable in those situations, you'll find that you sort of you get it out of a lot of trouble when you total up. Um, when you're comfortable in that position there. Um, Christian's actually really good at it. He um, he'll turtle up and just sweep you or take guard back pretty quickly mm. when he comes up. So it's like one of those things that if once you get comfortable there, it's actually a pretty good position to be in. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned I, when you said you said it's actually a, it can be a good position. Right when you said Christian, I was thinking he actually taught a class on turtle that was like a, probably one of the best. Uh, classes I've ever been seeing myself on turtle just on how to do it how to how to not get like tipped over how to keep just how to everything basing just the real fundamentals of the position and he taught it and showed it on a level yeah. where if white belts would have just gone fuck this is something to work with yeah definitely so what um so you said what do you you've been training so five years now what do you what do you do with yourself outside of um work like your startup well not your startup but your online business i should say outside of hydra outside of jiu-jitsu yep. what, what are your main interests outside of that honestly man not that much um recently taken up counter-strike again as you know <laughs> um still really shit um i still get a lot of people raging at me whenever i play competitive um but yeah, man, like I, I try to keep my, my life simple. Like I try not to, like, I'm not the type of guy that plays 10 different sports that just doesn't interest me. Like mm. jujitsu is my sport and I, I work out a bit outside of jujitsu and that's pretty much it. Like, um, sometimes I go to, the, like I, I used to be, I used, I'm a member of a good life. So some of the gyms have a pool, so I'll just go and swim there on my days off or go lift a little bit just to strength, do some strengthening for like, like deadlifts and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, just like hang out with mates and, um, smoke shisha and that's, that's my life in a nutshell. It's like, it's my business, my work, my business, jujitsu and my, whatever free time I'm watching Netflix or smoking shisha with my mates <laughs> or traveling. If I'm, if I'm obviously like, you know, on holidays, I'm traveling. Yeah. 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 I was not expecting you to say smoking shisha. I was like, what? <laughs> no, that's, that's my, um, number one pastime. <laughs> uh, okay. It's like, um, yeah. I was going to say... Um, not, not the best for jiu-jitsu. Not, not, not recommended for jiu-jitsu, definitely. But, you know, it's, it's something I do in my spare time. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. With, not um, that often, like maybe once or twice a week or something. Yeah. I was going to say with Counter-Strike, a um, couple of tips for you so you don't get raged at by teammates. Don't bait. <laughs> and get your, get your smokes and yeah. flashes down early and anticipate the rush. <laughs> I've been learning that actually. I've been YouTubing how to like smoke better and shit. But you know, my my aim and stuff is still pretty like. Eh. 
But yeah, yeah. it's all, all just like awareness and getting used to how the game's played. Like jujitsu, like everything. Mm. It's all just like time and yeah. One of the biggest things for improvement there is, well, obviously aim is all muscle memory. Aim, aim. So once you get your muscle yeah. memory on aim and how to like hold angles and stuff, you'll, improve, you'll find improvement in that. Same in jujitsu, I guess. But um, the other thing is like it's, you need to know how to read the spawn so you can get to the, the choke point. You know what a choke point is, right? In, in CS or even in a game, a choke point. Do, no, do you know? So, a actually... so a choke point would be <clears throat> if, if you're a counter terrorist, right? And then there's a terrorist on the other side. Yep. If you, but when the time goes, you can actually move from spawn. If let's say both teams rush to B site on, let's just say dust two, the choke point will be the point in time where both teams meet. So that's something that oh, is, yep, yep, yep. that is yep, what yep. initially that's what you're fighting for. You're fighting to, so if you're the CT, yep, yep. you want to get settled. So you get, you might throw a smoke to block their run because yep. they're not going to want to run through the smoke initially. They might have to wait for yep. it to fade before they go. So you want to get your smokes down early. You might throw in a flashbang to deter them. Maybe you'll spam. I'm not sure. But the fighting yep. for the choke points is important early on and not yep. wasting all your grenades. Holding yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Right so like, like A long or, or like mid or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get what you mean now. Yep. You understand where they are because you know when you if you run to A site and you go into long, you know where you meet them for the first time, where you actually exchange gunfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know me. That's yeah, you're yeah. fighting for that position. Yeah, yeah. I know me. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then like as a CT, you're like you're basically like fending them off to prevent the the, the bomb plant because you're yeah. running the clock down. In a nutshell, yeah. But you're playing you're playing pickup games. Yeah. Right? You're just joining servers, so there's it's hard to have teamwork unless you're playing with real people, like real an actual team that you play yeah. with. Yeah. Each yeah. Like I just I just match up with random people and competitive. because um, the guys I play with are mainly overseas, so like either one of us will always have a bad ping. But um, yeah, so that's why like sometimes if I just want to have a game, I'll just jump on competitive and get matched up with four randoms. And usually it's fine, but every now and then I get someone that just gets so fucking pissed off at me. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's almost... It's, it's like, I and I completely understand why too. Like, you know, I, I like empathize with them. Like, you know, I hated <laughs> it when I played basketball. I get like a shit guy on my team and I'm playing pickup and, you know, just was just such a liability, you know, like, um, so yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, I just I try to be a good teammate. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, like you said, I can't play. I have, I've got to say, if anyone listening, I have a MacBook, so you can't play, can't really play games on that. So I'm kind of, yeah. I'm talking from my past pastime. Like I played Counter-Strike 1.6 for fucking years. You don't even want to know how many hours I put into that game growing up. But it was probably, it was in, in all of the things I've done in my life, like with even with jujitsu and everything, I reckon CS was probably the one thing I was, me and my brother were the most passionate about growing up. Like we were fully into it. Yeah, and plus, you, uh, with computer games, you don't have that time limit. Like, you know, like it's not like um, jujitsu where you roll for like, what, one hour, two hours max, and you're like, you're puff, you're destroyed, you can't roll anymore. Mm, mm. It's not like, I'm sorry, you could play it from like for 15 hours and play it, like, until, you know, <laughs> play it until your eyes bleed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's the danger, I guess. And that's, I guess it's, a lot easier to put in more hours into that as opposed to like a sport, I guess. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, yeah, you can get carried away from it and abuse it and then it can like, you know, it's a good escape from yeah. life and a good wind down and things like that. And that's what I enjoy about games now. But back then it was sort of like yeah. counterproductive if you play so much. And that's, that's partly why I enjoy um, focusing instead on things like jujitsu because it's like, yeah, it's a, um, it's self-development and it's a life skill that you have. And yeah. I've my, one of the coaches that I was training under in Melbourne, um, Phil Grapsis, he used to say that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, what you're wearing, jujitsu is always in your back pocket. So if you ever need it, it will yeah. always be there and you can use it. So that's, and that's so like a, it's a yeah. life skill, man. You've got it forever. Even if you stop yeah. training and you're at the level you're at blue belt, you're already three, four stripes on a blue belt. Um, I think I'm what two or three. Yeah, I think two, two, two stripes. Yeah. Mm. So you, even at that level, man, like if you never trained again, you would still have a certain un, a body, body awareness of movements and things like yeah. that. Someone who's never trained will never have. Yeah. Like, you know, I can, I'll probably still be able to like sub white belts. Like at, <laughs> even if I take a year off, it's, it's our favorite, <laughs> it's, it's our favorite pastime. Just going after white belts. <laughs> so I only fundamental classes and only ever roll with white belts. <laughs> so I just count my submission. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Yeah. yeah. So um, what else has been going on? Tell me, tell me a little bit about Hydra. You, you mentioned to me uh, online a little while ago that you're looking at bringing out, well, tell me firstly about Hydra, how it started. And then let me, I want to know about the um, uh, apparel that you're trying to do as well. Cool, cool. No worries. Um, so prior to Hydra, I think this was maybe about 2016, I think. Um, I actually started a, like a print of demand sort of t-shirt company called Retrojits. Um, and we basically just like, we got someone to draw Street Fighter characters and Mortal Kombat characters doing submissions and shit and just putting them on a t-shirt. Um, so me and my one of my who's he's currently also one of my business partners in Hydra Eugene um, we both did that so we just came up with a whole bunch of different designs and we chucked them on t-shirts and we started going on Instagram and just started posting it and running ads and seeing how it would go um, and it was okay like he was obviously not the biggest market because number one, you're going to have to find someone that likes jujitsu. Mm. Number two, likes gaming as well. And like retro gaming, not, not like new school gaming. And then number three, that's willing to wear that thing on your t-shirt. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty small market, but we got a following. Like we had maybe like a thousand people on Instagram or something that like followed our stuff and they were really, really liked our stuff. Um, fun fact I got Kit Dale to wear it uh, one of my t-shirts um, and he posted it on Christmas as well so that was pretty cool we got like a whole bunch of buys on that however like um, we decided to, to shut the business off anyway because um, copyright issues and so on <laughs> yeah, and it yeah, wasn't yeah. something that we were making much money on we were making like a, like you know we, we, I think we, we pretty much, I'm pretty sure we lost money um, at the end of it. Um, so we don't, I don't think we made any money. I think we just, whatever we had, 
we recruit maybe like 80% of the money we put into the business. Um, mm. And we just, I just pumped that into Hydra. Um, so Hydra was started with, who was also my business partner at RetroJuice at the time, Eugen. Um, Eugen and this other guy, Lee, who's a friend and also one of the current partners in Hydra. Uh, they both started hide, hide, um, back then it was called the Hydra Bottle uh, before I, came, I joined in. Um, they, were, they were doing okay, had a decent enough launch, got some awareness, got some branding out there. Um, and then like Eugene sort of saw what they were missing. They were missing that digital element, which is what I brought. And he saw that when I did Retro Jits with him. So... Um, we actually got to a point where they actually got to a point where Eugene was actually thinking of quitting Hydra. He was thinking of like going, screw this, let's do something else. And we were having conversations, us three, and we kept saying like, you know, us three have to do something together. We got, we all got skill sets that really complement each other. That's all three of us do it together. Um, and I, I just kind of threw the idea out there. I said, Hey, uh, why don't I just join Hydra? And let's give it a proper run. So I said, I'll match whatever you guys put in um, investment wise, which wasn't that much, a few thousand dollars. Um, threw in some money and I go like, all right, I'll do this side of the business. You guys worry about what you guys do best. I'll do what I do best. And then we got it to a point where it was getting pretty consistent sales. So we started seeing the actual um, potential of the business. So Basically, how it happened was um, when they first started, they were basically just doing purely posting on social media and purely um, influencer influencers to get their buys, to get awareness of the product, right? Mm. Um, and then I came in, I started running a lot of ads for the business and we were getting much more consistent sales. So before they would get like maybe like a big hiking sales then like one day it'll sell like two bottles one day it'll sell nothing one day it'll sell a few so it's really inconsistent whereas now since we since i came in um the business is growing a lot more um the business was generating a lot more re revenue consistently so they we started seeing the potential that this business could get to um and yeah we were that's and then we just decided that we're going to focus on it and make really make it grow and um, now we've got it to a point where we're churning some decent figures um, and you know like we haven't had to throw any more money into the business everything that the business has is basically generated through its own profits from selling whatever stuff have taken a few loans but we've always paid back all the loans that we've taken out so we've never had to put any more extra money back in mm -hmm. to the business which was yeah so that really shows um the potential of it, um, it is a, a grind. We haven't paid ourselves um, mm. a single cent in the three years we've run this business. Um, so yeah, but now we've reached a point where we've got a pretty decent following. We've um, we've got a really loyal customer base. Um, customer value, um, you know, customer value is basically the our biggest um, the biggest driving factor for us, right? Like we. If there's one thing we get right is how we manage customer, how we handle customer queries. Um, I think if you go on our Facebook reviews, every single one of it or 99% of it's positive, like a five-star review. 
um, because of the way we handle problems, before, because of the way we treat customers. We treat customers like how we want to be treated. So um, because of that, our reputation with our existing customer base has always gotten stronger over time mm. um so yeah like every time we've come up with new products um a lot of our existing customers do come back and buy and i think now we reached a point where we decided we want to get out of bottles um not not get completely out of it but we wanted to introduce stuff that you know like people would probably want more regularly things like um active wear clothing people people don't buy bottles all the time. However, like, you know, how often do people shop for clothes and buy new active wear, new sports bras, leggings, mm. all that sort, sort of thing. Like that's the sort of stuff that people buy fairly regularly. So, and that's something that we, we found that we could really add a lot of value as well. Um, my business partner, Eugene, he studies a lot of active wear brands online and he feels that, you know, we've definitely got a very strong competitive aid, edge um, style-wise. And, you know, he's seen a lot of companies out there that he feels that we are better than, that we could, are doing okay. So that's something we definitely think that we could, you know, have a, be a turning point for our business anyway. Um, yeah. Are you diversifying into new products as well, new product ranges, not just new product yeah. ranges, the water bottles, like sizes or colors and all those sorts of things that you, yeah. I've seen you do since I've been training at Kaizen. Yeah. but even just new products altogether, new offerings to current customers. Yeah. It's a good thing. I mean, my, 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 my first thing that I said when I joined the business was we want to be a brand, not a bottle company. Um, so like, for example, you look at Nike, mm. um, you know, they were first known for running shoes and then now they got, you know, basketball shoes, clothing, bags, watches, all this sort yeah. of thing. And that's a sort of like, Although we, I wouldn't say we're going to be like Nike, um, that's a sort of like um, approach I want to take with our business, which is the brand. We want um, our mission statement for the company was to basically provide like cool products that can help people live live their live active lives, right? So we really wanted people to have like products where they'll be like, oh, cool. This is like sort of motivating me to go on that jog, go on that hike, go to the gym, go to JITS, whatever it is. Um, we wanted to create products that sort of gave people that excitement. And that's the sort of philosophy we've been, um, yeah, like um, following um, throughout what the time. Was it, what was your experience with um, dealing with uh, influencers like? And how, how, do, how do people even go about that? I haven't done much of it, to be honest. Uh, that's all my business partner, Eugene. Um, but basically, it's as simple as just send them a DM. Mm. Go send a DM. Hey, would you like to collab? They'll either ignore you or they'll say yes or they'll say no. If they say yes, they'll tell you what you have in mind or they'll give you their prices. Just sort of depends. Just It's, like, it's literally just asking. Mm. see what happens um yeah you don't that's, ask that's don't basically it. <laughs> yeah you literally literally jump on your phone find an influencer that you want to reach out to and send them a dm if they got an email address on there send it to that email address whatever just contact them and ask them hey i'd like to work with you if there's someone with a big following you probably got to expect to pay money so 
how what are your rates or propose something and see if they take it. Never know. Mm. Um, a lot of the influencers we work with, we actually do it based on just product because um, they love our product and they're happy to promote it. They're happy to do it for like a free product or whatever. So there's um, a lot of influencers out there who are willing to work for free product if they really like your product or sometimes their, their following isn't that big. So they're happy to do it. Um, mm. so we've talked about it quite a, like a, a fair bit, but do you want to just give me, uh, I guess, information, like social media channels or whatever, Facebook, whatever it is, your website, things like that. So people, if they want to have a look, look or even potentially purchase something, they, they know where to go. Sure. Um, website is www.thehydrabrand.com. So T-H-E, Hydra, H-Y-D-R-A, brand, B-R-A-N-D.com. Um, and Facebook and Instagram is basically the Hydra brand as the, the, the name. The, the, the handles yeah uh, go go to the yeah go to the website and the instagram you guys have a you have a sick website and your logo i really like your logo the three Thanks. heads it's good it's cool You're and i can see that stuff. that would work yeah. as a brand i can see the brand that like it's a, it's just a good logo man i like i like honestly i like it thank you <laughs> um like um because i'm when are you planning to post this podcast up um, I've got two more in the book. So probably another like three or four weeks. Okay, cool. At um, this stage. So yeah, I think mid to end of June, we've probably got our uh, active wear and stuff coming up. So yeah, you guys should check it out. I'll hit right up with a discount code later if you guys, um, yeah, so you can post it when he posts up this podcast, um, when our active wear launches. So you guys get a discount if you guys want to get some. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. If you want to keep um, this all, like if you want to hold, I, I'm happy to release this podcast at whatever time is going to suit best to your launch to help you. And if you want to do a discount code and things like that, I'm happy to do that. And yeah, yeah, sure. If anyone listens and they want to buy something, then feel free. Yeah, yeah of course, cool. man. We're friends. Happy to support you. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I've... I think we're still confirming a lot of like arrival times and stuff because um, shipping's a bitch now with the whole COVID thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, like whenever I, I, whenever I get a set launch date, I'll let you know. Mm. Can, can I ask from my perspective, because I'm interested in sort of, obviously I'm an accountant. Uh, I've been interested in startups and things like that for years. Mm -hmm. And I've even looked at doing things myself. And so I, first thing I did was go to Alibaba is yeah. that what sort of, um, how did you approach initial suppliers? For, I understand you yeah, weren't at the yeah. business from day one, but are you, yep. do you, is your wholesalers, are they from China? Are they off Alibaba? Yeah, yeah. Where do you um, go to for all that? We got really lucky. Like um, my business partner, Eugene, he was obviously doing the research at the time. He found this one seller on Alibaba that was willing to meet his, requirements in terms of like minimum order quantity mm. and they happen to be a really good supplier so we just reached out got some samples and then started an order and that's that really um if i were to advise anyone that's looking to get into e-commerce um yes please like if you want to start your own product and so on uh, yeah, so I would start with Alibaba. There's a few other websites which I haven't really tried myself, but I've heard about them, like madeinchina.com or there's some, um, like Alibaba, you can even find suppliers in Vietnam or 
other places. You don't even have to look for them in China. Like Vietnam, there's a lot of manufacturing going on there now as well. So that's something we're exploring uh, moving forward. So yeah, jump on things like Alibaba, whatever, DHgate, um, whatever it is, right? There's so many websites out there now. Find one. Explore suppliers. Send them send a bunch of them. You got to be prepared to spend some money for samples. So send a bunch of them messages going, hey, I want to sell products XYZ. This is what I want it to look like. How much is a sample? They'll come back to you, right? And then from there, you can kind of gauge like how fast they respond to you. How are the dealings with them? Um, who has what sort of minimum order quantity? Like one guy might have a minimum order quantity of a thousand pieces. One guy might have a minimum order quantity of a hundred. So mm. just throw out feelers out there. Whoever you like, get some samples from them, compare the quality and then just make your first order. That's basically it. There's not too much else you can do from it. Um, we need to factor in there things is a, like foreign currency, GST on imports on, um, and things like that are important to know yeah. too. Yeah, so that's, that's stuff you got to work out yourself. Um, if you get a freight forwarder, you can find out how much things like the your customs cost and everything. So we use um, Seaway at the moment uh, to import our freight. So we've got an agent. We basically go, this is how much stuff we're ordering. This is the cost. This is the dimensions. This is the weight he'll tell us, all right, this is how much it's going to cost you to ship it and this is how much in taxes we, we estimate you're going to have to pay. So, yeah, that's thing. Um, if you go on, do you know Tim Ferriss? Yeah. Tim Ferriss's podcast, there is one he did a, um, this is a while ago though, so you might have to search back. I forgot who it was. It was um, a couple of dudes who sold like a back pillow he interviewed them on his podcast and they basically went through like a detailed like podcast on how they look for suppliers. Um, that, that's a pretty good one to watch if you're interested in importing stuff. That's they put a pretty cool way to vet suppliers. Okay. I've just, while you've said that, I've just Googled um, the Tim Ferriss show. It's Benedict Doman and Santiago Nesteres with Elaine Poffelt and that's episode number 354 if anyone is interested in having a look at that. Yeah. There you go. So you're using, do you use things like Shopify or what, what, how, what's the sort of yeah, we structure use of it? Yeah. So um, websites hosted by Shopify. Um, I've dealt with a few different platforms before. I've, I really like the way Shopify works because you don't have to worry about security. You don't mm. have to worry about hosting. It's all hosted by Shopify. It's fast. Um, it is a bit more of a premium. You are paying a little bit more. Uh, for things like plugins and apps and stuff like that, which you could get on WordPress for free. Um, however, it does. I feel it works a lot better. It's a lot more reliable and a lot less bullshit you have to deal with compared to like trying to build your own custom website on WordPress or something. <laughs> but I had a look at this kind of stuff as well. And WordPress is not, they say it's easy, even Squarespace. It's not as easy as they say it is to just build a website. You know, even though it's drag and drop, there's a lot of, um, you know, bits and pieces that you need to know how to do. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're doing online stores, like if you're just building a website to promote, like, like a brochure website, we call it, where you're just putting information, mm. 
you could, it's a lot easier to make a website like that. However, if you're talking about e-commerce, there's so many aspects involved, like your checkout, you know, like um, related items, there's discount codes, there's PayPal integration, there's, if you have a merchant, merchant facilities, um, Stripe, so many things involved, man. It's so like having, like, like, making it SEO compatible, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you have the time and to put into it, that's great. Like, like WordPress is great for many things. Um, one of the things that's great about WordPress is it's a lot easier to customize. And it's also, there's a lot of free plugins you can get with WordPress. However, there's a lot of downsides with WordPress. Like, for example, you could easily get hacked with a bad plugin with WordPress. Um, you need to have good hosting, otherwise your website would be slow as shit. Um, you know, you need to make sure like, um, you need to, if you're using things like themes or templates, um, they're going to add some bloat to your website, which could potentially slow down your website. So it's so many things involved, which I don't have to think about using Shopify. So yeah, that's why I go with Shopify. There's a few other good ones that I've heard of as well. I haven't tried them, but like Nito is pretty good as well. Like um, they're Australian-based company. So if you're primarily selling in Australia, Nito could be a good one to look at. N-E-T-O. Yeah. Is is it a lot of it that you've learned, like the digital, is it all just sort of like learning as you go and having just, I guess, like trial and error, little fails along the way, or this is working, let's keep doing this, things like Um, that? For me, it's... um, with paid ads, to be honest, right? Like with paid ads, it's one of those things where it's very easy to learn if you have a project, um, websites and stuff. If you've got a project, so whether that's, for me, my project at the time was my dad's business. Mm. And then I had obviously the retro jits and then now I've got Hydra, right? So these are the sort of stuff where I upskilled myself through the necessity of, oh, how do I change this about my website or whatever? I just Google it and I, I learned from that. Um, things like digital marketing. Um, honestly, it's um, once you've learned all the functions and how it works, it's basically split testing and checking the results and just doing your ongoing checks. If you're tweaking your campaigns, very often um, you would figure out how to optimize your campaigns um, a lot pretty easily. You just got to learn how to use Google ads. And like I said, the best way to learn how to use Google ads or Facebook ads, those are the two main ones out there right now. Find a project. So let's say your podcast, just spend like a hundred bucks or something running ads to get more people to your website or to your podcast, right? Mm. And then from there, you basically learn how to run Google Ads. Like how to check your history, that kind of stuff. Um, If you really, if you're someone that you really just can't get your head around it um, through reading stuff online or YouTube, pay a coach and get them to look over your shoulder. Get someone that has... Like, um, there's a guy that trains at Kaizen, Kim Barrett. He runs a coaching thing for Facebook ads. If you're willing to pay top dollar, I'm sure he's willing to 
spend some time looking at your campaigns and be like, all right, you can do this better. You can do this better. This is how you should check. This is how you do this. That's the kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that's another way to learn, I guess, if you, yeah, didn't know. Um, but right now, I think even Google and Facebook, they've got a lot of reps out there. They're trying to push their ad platforms. Mm. They are happy to schedule calls to teach you how to use your platform better. So that's another thing that's your thing. But you got to find what you're geared towards to like some people like running ads is just something they're not completely not interested in. Mm-hmm. And if you're completely not interested in it for you to like pick your socks up and do it every day, it's going to be hard. So find a partner or pay someone to do it for you. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important for any business owner to understand how it works. And then after that, pay someone so that you know, they're not fucking around with your, your budget and stuff like that. Mm. Have you ever looked at anything like, um, like Google's digital garage or even just done the Google analytics program? Cause they offer those courses yeah. for free. You can get some base fundamental knowledge of that without having to pay anything. Um, yes and no. Like, um, I have done the digital garage certification. So there's a lot of time. Um, I worked for um, a marketing digital marketing agency as well at one point for a few months. So that's sort of why I did all this certification stuff. Um, I did a digital garage. A lot of it was fairly basic stuff, which I kind of already knew, but it was like, okay, good to look at it from this perspective. Um, things like Google analytics and Google AdWords. Yes, you do learn some stuff from it, but, I feel you learn a lot more if you have a project hmm. because the stuff they ask you is all Q and a, you're, you're going to forget it after you do your certification. So you might as well just have, maybe do it while you're working on a project so that you understand it a lot easier. If you, you keep the knowledge, you retain the knowledge a lot better. It's like jujitsu. You, you, you can watch like a million videos and you're not going to be Kit Dale. You know what I mean? Like you're going to, you're going to have to practice it on the map. Yeah. Yeah. You got to play. You gotta, so it's you gotta, the gotta, same thing with business, like in business, you got to, you got to try it because um, one person's technique might not actually work for your business. So you got to trial that technique, trial with a few other ones. And then from there decide, okay, this works best. So I'm going to run with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting, man. Thank you for the, the lowdown on that. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, I'd be keen to see how the apparel stuff goes when it comes out. And like I said, um, keep in touch. And if you like, I'll release this um, the week, just whenever, like you let me know what suits the week before, the week after, yeah. the day of, whatever suits, I'll, I'll push it out at that yeah. time. Yeah, and- we, when we get our stock in, we'll have a better idea when we'll launch. So I'll let you know um, once our stock is in we can have a better idea on when we can launch and then I'll let you know the launch date after that. All right. Um, so <laughs> we've been distracted here. We've talked a little bit of jujitsu, a little bit of computer games and a lot of business. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, I have, I have uh, a lot of different interests. I'll say that much. What, so what's, um, if we go back to jujitsu, cause I don't know how much more time you have, but I would like to ask you if there's sort of any, any sort of knowledge or, um, any advice you want to give to anyone at any level, whether it's white belts getting into it from a coaching perspective, um, just how to approach learning when they're starting out would be good. I think coming from you. Honestly, for me, um, find something that helps you just keep coming back to training. Like if that's having a cool bunch of people to train with, 
find a gym that you like, be people you like. If it's, you know, like if you are a serious competitor from the get-go, find a gym that suits your needs. Find a gym that's serious about competing so that you're challenging yourself every day. If you just like, you know, if you're just like a hobbyist and you just, you know, like you just want to train a couple times a week, find gyms that are more open to that. You know, like as if you go to an, if you go to like a gym that's full of monsters and you're getting killed every single day, um, it's not going to be fun. So mm-hmm. uh, find a gym that, that suits you and that keeps you coming back to training. Because in the end, it's basically just getting your butt on the mat. And, um, and for me, like I found Kaizen was a great fit for me um, because like I'm not really that interested in being a serious competitor. Um, and I found that, I think Luke mentioned this in his podcast as well. Like there's more white collar people at Kaizen. So like, I think I could relate to people a lot more, could easily have more conversations. And I found people a lot more easygoing. Mm. Whereas other gyms, I find that there's always a click and it's not the nicest feeling going into a gym where everyone's like cool and that you're kind of that odd person out and you sort of need to put in your time to get to know everyone. Whereas like, I don't really like that sort of bullshit politics. I like, I, I just, you know, like I'm just a friendly dude. Like if you want to have a chat, we'll have a chat. And I find people are a lot more like that in Kaizen. Mm. You know, like you could literally chat with anybody. You could be a new guy and you could have chat with someone that's been there for five years. You know, like, you know, it doesn't matter. No one cares. No one cares about the belt rank. Everyone's just really, really good to work with. No one's really toxic. Mm. So that's what kept me going in Kaizen and that's what sort of like pushed me to keep training. Um, but could be different for you. So whatever works in your favor that could keep you going back to the gym, find that and, you know, like keep coming back. And the, the more you come back, the better you get. That's, that's a, basically. Man, that's such a good thing to say. It's, the com- the com- it's a community, man. Like honestly, because yeah. you can learn jujitsu I guess anywhere, you know, like you're going to have, you're going to find it's, it's so accessible now that there are good, good instructors everywhere, you know, for the most part. So I guess some, some places, maybe not, but for the most part, they're all good instructors. You just got to find a vibe that works for you. And I've been fortunate enough to be in Sydney and find a great place, then move to Perth after doing it already for three and a half years and find another great place. And I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed my journey the whole time. And I actually, I actually went to another gym before I came to Kaizen. And I spent a yep. week there and I was just like, not really my vibe. So I tried yep. Kaizen and was like, this is more what I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly. And um, So don't be shy to like try Kai- several gyms, especially when you're starting out is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Um, what I really liked about Kaizen as well is I did mention before, like I'm not that interested in competing all the time. But when I do want to compete, I have that sort of support system as well. Like, you know, you got, got the guys like Max and... Christian and you know like Brandon's always super keen to help people competing so if I want to compete I have that option as well and that sort of like um, competition classes to go to Mm. if I do want to compete but if I don't want to compete I'm sort of like I don't feel like I'm pressured to compete I don't feel like I'm sort of behind like you know like I just like it's just pretty chill so that's what I like about I love about Kaizen and the people there as well like they just make it easier to come back to training every single week every single day so it's um and i really enjoy the way brandon coaches so um i think the instructor as well yeah like um the way brandon coaches is very different to quite a lot of gyms i've been to in the past so really enjoyed his style 
Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, like about it? Like Brandon's very open-minded. So like he's always, he takes that approach and you find what's good for you. He's not the type of coach where like, oh, leg locks, that's, that's not real jujitsu or like, um, I don't know how to say it, like, uh, you know, stop playing that. There's a 10 planet move. Don't do that. Like he's not, he doesn't care about the politics and stuff like that. He just loves jujitsu and you can see it. Doesn't force anything and, down your throat. Yeah, exactly. And he goes like, if it works for you, do great. Do this. Um, do that move you saw on YouTube if that works for you. Uh, but yeah, be wary of this and this. But you know, if that works for you, use it, practice it, get good at it. Right? He, um, and he's very objective and very open-minded. And this is, and he's a fellow white collar guy too. So it's kind of like easier to relate to him compared to like, you know, um, some other coaches out there. Not saying there are any bad coaches I've had, had like I haven't had any terrible coaches. But um, I just really vibe with Brendan a lot more um, compared to some of the coaches I've had in the past. I get it. It's no problem. Don't stress. Yeah. All right, man. Should I, uh, should I let you go? Yeah, man. No worries. <laughs> you think Sounds we've done good. just over an hour? If you have your questions, I'm happy to answer them. Otherwise, yeah, you can call it a night. Oh, man. I have not written anything formal down. I like to just sort of just see where it goes. I don't know if you have anything you want to bring up, or anything you'd like to ask me or talk about. I think we covered a lot. Yeah, so I'm good. I think so. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Come back another time and do another one. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. No problem. I'll say before I let you go, um, I'll say to everyone, if you've listened this long, and I know we've touched on a few different things, the podcast sort of jumps around and I'm kind of like figuring out from my perspective how to best do it. Uh, Like I'm at the end of the day, like I only do this because I enjoy it. So I'm happy just having conversations with people and it's not always going to be strictly martial arts. We'll just go wherever it goes. Nice hydro bottle, man. You're like Joe Rogan, man. <laughs> just do whatever. For you. Yeah. Well, I like the, it's obviously the whole point. It's a martial arts thing, but yeah, like it is that man. I'm not fixed to anything. I'm it's just, yeah. it's, a passion, it's a passion project, man. So just, just go where it goes. But I was going to say, I have launched a, um, Facebook page because I got told by a dear friend of mine to get out of my own way and um, yep. launch a Facebook group. Uh, sorry, I have a Facebook group, but I had to do a Facebook page. He's like, if you want your podcast to grow, you got to you got to get a Facebook page. So I've done that. And for anyone who likes the podcast, I would really appreciate if you followed it. And it's um, just basically the Art of Surrender podcast. So if you just go facebook.com forward slash the Art of Surrender podcast, you'll find it. Follow it. And yeah, that's it. As I awesome. would say previously to anyone, if you're listening and you want to be a guest on the podcast, slide into my DMs or the, on the, hit the podcast Instagram up or the, the Facebook page, like I just mentioned, hit me up and we'll do it. That's, that's about it for me. Awesome. All Thanks, right, Aaron, everyone. I appreciate your time and I'll see you. Was it June 8th? Yes, sounds good. Bro, I'll be there. I'll see yeah. you there. Bells <laughs> on, with bells on, man. Catch up. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks for having me, everyone. You're welcome, man. Catch up. Cheers.